You are listening to Alter Echo, a scripture and message podcast with pastors Andy Smith and Kim Kylo of St. John's Lutheran Church, ELCA, Lakeville, Minnesota. Thanks for joining us and worshiping with us. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Alter Echo on this weekend of December 11th and 12th. This is the third Sunday in the season of Advent, and we are kind of hurtling. It almost feels like hurtling through space quickly toward Christmas. It always seems to be the case every year, and so I welcome you to this time of worship and contemplation and in listening for God and sensing the Holy Spirit around us, continuing to bring us to the living Christ. Welcome to, to this time of worship today. We've had some snow here in Minnesota, so it actually is starting to look a lot more like Christmas. And I even went out to the back of the church today and noticed that on the pretty significant size sliding hill that we have back there, after getting only a couple of inches of snow, it didn't take long. And the kids in the neighborhoods back behind us here at church had their sleds out and they've already been sliding, which brings back lots of good memories for me from my childhood. So I hope you are in a good place to to sit uh, back and take this all in today and let your mind uh, be deepened in its uh, sense of faith toward Jesus and Jesus' grace toward you. Today, we tackle an important story, and I will explain this. It is uh, based on um, uh, Matthew 1 and 2. We're going to start at verse 18, if you have your Bibles open, in chapter 1. And we're going to go to verse 15 in chapter 2. In Brian McLaren's book, We Make the Road by Walking, the chapter title is Keeping Herod in Christmas. And so that is where we are going today. So let's go to the scripture, to God's word. This is chapter 1, verse 18 of the Gospel of Matthew. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had borne a son, and he named him Jesus. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who had been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, 
And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out. And there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, there they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Now, after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt I have called my son. Well, everyone, this is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I want to point out just a couple of things. In that first chapter of Matthew, Joseph is called to name Jesus, and they're called to name him Jesus, which means he shall save or he saves. So the name Jesus is all about salvation. Jesus' name is his mission to be our Savior. And then right after that, they also name him Emmanuel, <laughs> which means God is with us. So Jesus has this incredible name with so much gravity. His name is our Savior is with us. That's who Jesus is. Our Savior is with us. Well, we could go a lot of different directions, of course, with these, uh, these verses. There are a lot of verses here, 33, something like that, verses. And it's pretty familiar material, isn't it? You can almost sing uh, any number of uh, Christmas carols to a lot of these um, to a lot of these verses, O Little Town of Bethlehem. Some real tender and gentle and sweet, kind of idyllic carols. I'm not going that direction. <laughs> I'm sorry this week. Even in our men's group on Tuesday morning, some of the guys said, we wish that this, um, this passage was read after Christmas because it kind of ruins some of the, the joyful you know, stuff that we're trying to uh, feel and achieve and accomplish. And we agreed that that's the case. But here's the deal. This is reality. This story is very, very real. And so I want to go straight to Herod. And I want to keep Herod in Christmas, like Brian McLaren says in the book that we're reading, We Make the Road by Walking. He needs to be there. He provides us with the reason Jesus is our Savior who is with us. Think about this. What does it say about a person, King Herod? What does it say about a person who is willing to murder and kill a child? We have to ask that question. 
we have to sit back and, and go a little deeper than just the surface of these stories and ask these important questions. What does it say about a person who is willing to destroy, like the text said, Jesus, a child, a baby? What does it say about a person who's willing to do that to multiple people? He sent his henchmen into the communities around Bethlehem and killed every child under the age of two. Who knows how many that is? We don't have much of that recorded in history. But just the fact that that is key to the story. And we know, don't we, that there have been people down through history who have been this person, who have gone through and willy-nilly killed without shame or remorse or any sense of conscience. Whole groups of people, tribes and families and cultures and ethnic groups, they've been everywhere, haven't they? History is replete with this sort of despotic, dysfunctional leader, completely unbalanced. They are out there, and Herod was one of those. We know through history that Herod killed many people, including his own family members, because he was paranoid about them taking, taking authority away from him. What does it say about a person who's willing to kill a child, though? And what does it say about a society that is willing to stand by and let that happen? That's got to be the relevant question we ask today. You have to imagine in this story the people who were the victims of Herod's violence. You have to imagine mothers and fathers in homes hearing a knock at the door in the middle of the night and having the door busted down and, and people bursting into a house and grabbing children out of cribs or beds or their parents' arms. You have to imagine this and the, the, the sheer anguish and, 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 and tragedy of being victims of this violence. Even in the Bible, in these next verses, it talks about hearing the screams of parents when this happens. We would rather not talk about this, would we? <laughs> and see, that's the hard part because it's so easy to pass this over and not want to talk about it while we're wrapping presents or listening to music or making cookies. But this is the reason for Christmas. This is the reason for Christ coming among us, taking on flesh, being God, to come to protect us and rescue us and bring us into a new place, to make a new road by walking it with us forward out of this. I remember reading a story some years ago about a church in Dallas. Somehow, they had worked with the Dallas Police Department and had gotten weapons that had been confiscated from criminals and had been decommissioned, you know, taken apart. But they took all of these guns primarily, but also knives and other weapons, along with barbed wire, and they put all of these weapons, many, many of them, at the foot of the manger and a cross that they had set up outside their church. So near the manger that was going to house and hold this little baby who is the gift of God, the gift of God's love to humanity, near that manger, and then with the cross towering over it, 
the cross that murdered Jesus with weapons, with the weapons of the day. All of these weapons were there. And then it was all surrounded by barbed wire, and it symbolized the reality of Christmas, the stark, hard, cold reality of the violence of the world that Jesus is born into and the violence of the world that wouldn't let Jesus live because of his message of love and his call to push back on that violence. So much so that the world would be changed because of pushback. And yet, that's so difficult for us. Today is the Sunday of joy, ironically, in the church. It's called Gaudete Sunday. We light a pink candle instead of a blue one. It's the Sunday of joy. But before joy, we had the Sunday of peace. Last week was the Sunday of peace. Can we go there just for a second? How do we come to a place where we feel at peace? Curiously, in the Greek language, the word peace is eirene, E-I-R-E-N-E, eirene. If you have the name Irene, <laughs> your beautiful name means peace. And it comes from the Greek. But in the Greek, the word peace is a militaristic word. And what that name or what that word signifies for us is that peace most often can only be achieved after some struggle. After people struggling together, even, even butting heads and battling for what is right over what is wrong. So what is the struggle that we're talking about here that is so endemic even in our society where violence is so in our face? Look at the gun violence alone in our country that is stabbing us in the heart and killing our children and so many, many people. And we, we don't seem to be able to have any ounces of energy or ability to, to, to affect this, to change it. It just goes on and on and on. And yet we yearn, I think, most of us hopefully yearn for an end to that kind of violence. How many more school shootings do we have to endure? So the question is, does our faith and does Jesus as our Savior who is with us give us enough courage to join the battle against violence so that we can win that battle and finally come to a place of peace. Peace is the outcome of the battle against the things that try to destroy us, the people that try to destroy us. What does it say about a person who's willing to kill children, and what does it say about a society that is willing to stand by and let that happen? It says that either we are too afraid to join the battle against that, or we need to have some new resolve and need to feel a sense of empowerment and encouragement and even God's very presence with us to join that battle so we can finally, finally beat it and come to a place of peace. Are we able to do that? Look at that church in Dallas that tried to show the community, the city, what Christmas was all about. They got so much hate mail for doing that. They, they got hate mail from people who thought that was so irreverent that that was anything but the spirit of Christmas. <laughs> of course. But it's, it is Christmas. So here's my question for you today. 
Are we willing to find a rene peace after we've joined the battle with Jesus against the violence of the world? Do you know what comes after peace is achieved? Joy. That's what today is all about. It's about living into a future and making a new road by walking it together with each other and with God and with Jesus in the flesh, the Christ child, the Savior who is with us and is alive ever after. It's about making that road together and living into the future and coming together to join the battle against the power of violence. Violence is always uh, 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 leveled on a society and on people to keep us afraid, to keep us weak and down. And that is not who Christians are. Christians are people who live in the world but are not of the world, as Paul said. Christians are people who take Jesus at his word and who live for him and with him and like him. Christians are peacemakers. The Prince of Peace comes into our world and calls us to be princes and princesses of peace as well. So I'm going to ask you today to sense that the gospel is that Christ is our Savior in our midst now. And that he calls us to seek a peace that is possible and that is a gift from him. And that he joins our battle when we join the battle against violence so that we can finally come to a place of peace. And then, as the people of God, we can sing together, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and heaven and nature sing. This is what Christmas is about. It's our hope for peace and joy that comes out of it so that we can see the love of God built into this world because God has brought it here, built into our hearts, written upon our hearts and our minds that we are to live toward and seek and find. Everyone, blessed third Sunday of Advent, as we come to God, as we sense God calling us to continue to make a new road by walking it together. May peace be found by us. May peace be with you. And may we know the joy of Christ, our Savior, here. Amen. And now God's word is alive in us again anew. And we get the blessing of being called to let it echo through us out into the world in which we live. Everyone, if you wish to give your offering now to support things like this podcast and the work and ministry of St. John's Church in Lakeville, Minnesota, I invite you to do that. Please go to our website at sjlcl.org. I'll repeat it, sjlcl.org. And up in the right-hand corner, you'll see a little button named Donate. Hit that button and you can give your offering to God and for the work of God in the world 
through this church in Lakeville, Minnesota. Thank you in advance for the gifts and the offerings that you give. And now as we go on our way, we are sent with the blessing of peace, the benediction. Dear friends, may the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face and the rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, till we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. God loves you, everyone. God be with you until next week.